any kids, if there are any kids, they are now dismissed to uh, Kids Church. So any kids, you may now go to Kids Church, uh, which is over in the new kids zone. Uh, and as they make their way, uh, it's my uh, pleasure, it's my honor to introduce uh, Teen Challenge Day. Uh, Teen Challenge has been here many years, and I know many of us are familiar with having Teen Challenge come and share about their ministry, and it is an always a blessing and an honor to have them here and share with us. Uh, and you'll mostly remember that we have had the Teen Challenge men come in the past. And so what an honor that this time we have some women from Teen, Ch Teen Challenge to come and share with us today. So I would like to invite uh, Norm, uh, who's going to share with us today on behalf of Teen Challenge. So why don't we give him a warm welcome as he comes forward. Well, good morning. Everybody happy? Yes. Whew, in the right place. <laughs> I'll come up here. It's so good to be here, and thank you, Pastor, for the kind inv invitation. And uh, I'm going to meddle for a minute before I get to Teen Challenge. I'm going to lift this just a bit. I, uh, I was impressed when I walked through the door this morning. I think the first person I met, or the second person I met, was your pastor. And um, <clears throat> for all of you older folks like me, because um, I'm at that point of, I got to a certain age, and I hit the wall, and I'm thinking, how did I get here? And uh, when I turned 70, 70, <clears throat> and it wasn't so bad until about 10 days after I turned 70, my oldest daughter turned 45. That's when it really hurt. And I realized that this life is, is going by and is blowing by me very, very quickly, and I don't want to waste my years that I have left, which probably might be 10 or 15, if the Lord is really kind to me. When you have further to back to look on than what you have to look forward to, there's a reality check comes into that, amen? And so I want to commend you people who are of my vintage for having the good sense of having pastoral leadership at the age of what you have in this place. Give yourselves a hand for that. And as an older man, I want to ask you, because I was at First Baptist Church in Charlottetown, PEI, a long, long time ago. And that's where I was born and raised, and, um, and people say, why were you on PEI? Well, that's where my mother had me, and so it's good to be close to your mother. And so, <laughs> you know how that works. And um, so, these years that we're now in, these times that we're now in, is a lot different than when I started. It's a lot different when you started. Give these young leaders all the rope and leverage you can possibly extend to them. Because there's a whole generation that your vocabulary and mind doesn't quite associate with. The millennials and all these names that we put on people these days. But these guys, these gals, they have the language, they have the understanding, they have the technology, they have all this stuff. And so when people start coming through the doors of this church that you might find a little bit different, and maybe that you're not used to communicating with, all they really need from you is love. I had my brother-in-law 
Years ago, I was home and on PEI, and my brother-in-law and I were out in, uh, in his truck one day, and he was a builder and so on. And uh, he got talking about the church where he was attending, and 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 you know, I knew the people well in the, in the church. And so he said to me, he said, "You know Preston and Helen Cudmore?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "You know what?" He said, "In all the years, he said, I've been in this church. He said, I can't tell you of anybody." that they brought into this church that I know of that got saved. And I'm thinking, what's this all about? Because my brother-in-law is not a critical man. I said, run that by me one more time, and he did. He said, I don't know of anybody, he said, that, they, that I could point to and say they brought them into the church. And I said, and your point is? He said, Norm, he said, I can't really point to anybody that they have brought into the church. But I can tell you a whole lot of people that they've loved on that are in the church. And I thought, wow, what a testimony of being there when the younger crowd starts coming in and, and others are starting to, to, to evangelize and so on. And I want to tell you this, Pastor, you may not know this, but 10% of this congregation here this morning are evangelists. They just don't know it yet. And maybe they do. And soul winning has to be the preoccupation of the mind of the church in this day. I was, I've been in ministry now 46 years, so I'm old, and, and I'm taking extra time here this morning because I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so, when you get old, there are certain advantages. So I, I'm just saying, don't get old, get bold. Amen? <laughs> and, so, and that's the way it ought to be. But anyway... I want to do something that I've never done before. I'm in about 50 churches in the run of a year. I do almost 60 services in a year. And um, 11 years at Huntley Street and all that kind of stuff and meeting people this morning that recognize my voice or this poor pathetic face and uh, from those years of working with David on Huntley Street and so on. But Pastor, I want you and Zach to come down here. Would you do that? I just, I was sitting there this morning when I walked through the door, I met him, and the sweetness of his spirit. And, um, and for you folks to have the wisdom, to have a foresight into what the community needs, that we as older, the older generation are not maybe mobilized enough to, to be out there because of our age and all that kind of stuff. But look at this, and the generation of the now. And Timothy was told by Paul to do the work of an evangelist. It's not always easy. Being an evangelist is tough at times. Because you're, because you're being led into circumstances and places that ordinarily you would never go. But the boldness and the anointing and the richness of the Holy Spirit who indwells you both. As leaders, not only in this building, but get far beyond it. This is just a house for Sunday. The real work is beyond the doors here. And I, would you stand with me, please? I want to pray over these boys, these sons. How old are you now, Pastor? You're 30. How old are you, Zach? 21. Wow, you old dude. I was 24 when I was pastoring my first church. A lot of wisdom poured over that pulpit. <laughs> but you go and you grow because you see all those gray heads out there, they're not your competition. 
They're your safety net. They'll love you. They might even get after you once in a while. But limit that. Let them be who they are. Let them preach what's in their hearts. And let it be under the richness of the anointing of the Spirit. This church is not, is not new to this community. And it's here for a purpose. God raised it up and placed it in the proper, proper place for you to minister from. And for all these people here to help keep all the new ones that are going to be coming in. And let the church be noisy. When you hear kids and you hear all the things, I can tell you when a church has health because of all the rattle that's going on in voices chattering before the service starts. When I, if it's quiet, I get nervous. But when there's chatter, and I heard chatter in this house today, get ready for a whole lot more of it. Amen? I, I'm just meddling, so. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you, would you raise a hand and point it toward these men here today? Father, you've raised up in a time such as this these sons of yours. In their youth, Lord, there's a lot of stuff for us to learn. And God, you can't put old heads on young shoulders. They have to go and grow and, Father, follow after you through the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we who are the older, O oh God, of the, of the clan inside these walls today, Lord, help us to have the wisdom and the understanding, Lord, of, of allowing, allowing growth and allowing birth and allowing wisdom, Lord, to come and to be matured as it goes forward. Because, God, it's meeting the need of the now. And we ask in Jesus' name that, Lord, these precious young pastors, Lord, and the team that's around them, Lord, will get an insatiable love for the broken and for the lost that are beyond these walls. Lord, this church, oh God, this building is not, is not the thing that draws people. It's love that draws people when people minister to people. And so, Father, thank you for the facilities. Thank you, Lord, for a place to come. But, Lord, we pray that as you release into the community, oh God, open doors into the high schools, Lord, into the elementary schools, into every aspect, Lord, of the life of the community, Lord, of Cambridge. Let these young men, Lord, find a boldness in the gospel and have no fear but to go forth in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, doing exploits that will change lives and bring people into your kingdom. And so, Father, I pray for all that are in this house today, Lord, that have walked with you, Lord, for a long time, that, Father, they'll keep these men in the center of their prayers. Lord, they'll be their, their greatest support, their greatest encouragement, that, Father, the, so, that, that your fathers and daughters and, and mothers that are in this church, Lord, and, and the sons, Lord, will come alongside and, Lord, say, we're in this place, Lord, to reach people, to reach the broken, to reach the lost. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. Uh, I, it, this has been a first that I've ever done this in the church, all right? But I just felt something in this house today. That God has got the greater thing yet to come. And you're being prepared for a lot of stuff. So just get on with it. <laughs> Don't get nervous. Get bold, be welcoming, and you already have been that. I've met so many people here this morning that have been so kind already to, to our ladies that are here. Anyway, just want to get a couple of little announcements behind us. And uh, this ministry of Teen Challenge has been around a long time. How, how many of you don't know what it is the Teen Challenge does? Anybody here, you don't know anything about it? Everybody does? Well, you know, well, one or two. Let, let me just tell you what that is. 
Teen Challenge, we, if you looked in the yellow pages, we are a drug and alcohol um, rehabilitation organization with centers all across Canada. We're almost ready to open our ninth center. We've just opened two new ones this year and uh, one more to come. And uh, in fact, yesterday we had the dedication of a brand spanking new building in Hague, Saskatchewan for another women's center. The building cost $5 million. My wife and I were there back at Easter time and we walked into that building. I, my mouth fell open because it was, it's absolutely stunningly gorgeous, the whole thing for, for broken people coming in. Those young women, when they walk through that door, they walk into a state-of-the-art building, something that these women have never been in in their lives. Many of them are from wealthy backgrounds and everything else. But there they are yesterday out there dedicating that brand new building, and it's 100% paid for all $5 million of it. Amen. So that's what people like you do, but really what we are as a ministry, not just about a rehabilitation thing, but really what we are, we are a Jesus-loving, sin-devil-hating, <laughs> sin-chasing, discipleship-making organization. That's really what we are. Because if it's not about Jesus, we've got nothing to offer anybody. And so, but helping to make the thing manageable and have some finances coming in, we do have a car program. You can donate a car, truck, SUV, boat, motorcycle, grandkids, whatever it is you got. <laughs> and so that's what it's kind of all about. Uh, in your bulletin, you should have received one of these. This is the lifeline of the ministry. And I don't know, maybe some of you here already support Teen Challenge on a monthly basis. I, if you do, I, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for that. I, I never dreamed I'd be here. You know, I met David Wilkerson over the years two or three times, and, and, but never dreamed that I'd ever be working at, at, uh, at the ministry. And I re tried the retirement thing from Huntley Street a number of years ago. It lasted a whole eight months. And here I am in, going into my eighth year with this ministry and so but on the inside cover if you got this thing you kind of kind of take a peek at it. Um, in fact the young woman that's in the front cover right in the very middle of it she is from Newfoundland she is the one that we and we just opened a new center back there and she is our development coordinator when this woman came into Teen Challenge she was a mess one of the worst conditions I've seen in, in, a, in a long time, but it was, it was in Tracy's life. And there she is working full-time for Teen Challenge as our development coordinator in Newfoundland. 25% of all of our employees of Teen Challenge are graduates. Amen? That is remarkable. But on this side right here, it says change a life. And for $40 a month, that may seem like a lot to some people, but really 40 bucks a month, Look, would look like this here, taking four people to McDonald's for an unhealthy meal. Forty bucks. That's all. <clears throat> and, but you can create health for forty dollars a month by sponsoring uh, a student from Teen Challenge and one of our students that is here today. She is uh, going to share her story but she's also sponsorable. Her picture is here. And if you decided to sponsor uh, Bo Ashley today, uh, she would not only be appreciative of that, but it would be a huge help in, in sustaining her uh, year at Teen Challenge. Also in the back, there's our annual report back there and a bunch of other stuff on the table, and I've taken too much time already. And I'm going to ask Bo Ashley to come. 
and uh, to share her story. Would you make her welcome, please? <clears throat> going to pray for a minute. Uh, good morning. My name is Bo Ashley. Um, I'm about to tell you my testimony, but before I get started, I just want to say uh, how glad I am to be here and to be alive. This is the week that um, my brother had passed away in a very long time ago, but it doesn't feel that long for me. But God has shown me many, many things uh, since then that I have to be grateful for, and that, uh, yeah, so it's nice to be here. Hello, my name is Bo Ashley. Sometimes in order to get back to the beginning, you have to come to the end. My story is not an uncommon one these days, yet it is my own. I hope to paint you a clear picture of my perspective as it is now, of what God's love looks like through my journey with him and how he brought me here. My earliest childhood memories are of me playing in my little brother's crib with him. In the background, I could hear loud yelling and fighting going on. I didn't feel scared but I do recall an overwhelming feeling of wanting to protect my brother. That need to protect others has stayed with me most of my life. Witnessing what happened to my mother also had a lasting effect on me. I wanted to leave that place. Even as a young child, I knew deep down inside that there was something better out there. Before I knew it, my mother and we children had moved from our home in Alberta to live with my grandparents in Ontario. I and my siblings filled every space in their home, and we filled it. Also, I was now living in a very, very small community um, where everybody knew everyone. The years were challenging and fractured. Time split between my grandparents and my mother. With my mother often away doing her best to support us, us children were often left in the care of one another. This would be the start of the shadows coming into my young life. My innocence was taken from me at an early age, and I would endure this darkness for over a decade of my life. But the Lord knows all. He wasn't about to let me go through anything alone. When I was around five years old, I can only explain as, um, sorry, I'm not wearing my glasses today either, so that's a downfall. <laughs> when I was around five years old, I had what I can only explain as the most amazing encounter in my life. I was lying in bed, scared and anxious, and feeling horribly alone. And as I closed my eyes, my mind went out of control. It was as if something was changing the channels in my head so fast that I couldn't keep up. Then everything went static, and the brightest, most beautiful light came through and a deep, deep sensation of peace came over me. And I knew instantly I wasn't alone. I had no need to fear anyone ever again. The bad things didn't stop. 
but I was different. God came to me. This would be the start of the best relationship I have ever experienced in my life. Shortly after this happening, I remember asking my Gigi, my grandma, if I could get dressed and go to church with my Christian neighbors. The things that I had learned at Sunday school have had a huge impact on me to this day. I cherish those days sitting in the pews, singing to the Lord. I remember one time they taught me that other children didn't have as I did as in this world. So I went home and I packed up my teddy bears. I kept one of my favorites, my big purple bunny, and the rest went into bags to a girl across the street who didn't have much. I would try to bring my brothers and sisters to church, but I always ended up attending alone. At the age of seven, the missionaries came, and they taught me that I could find Jesus anywhere, even under a rock or behind a tree. They taught me how to let Jesus into my heart, and I eagerly did wholeheartedly. I haven't felt alone since. Although I went to church and had the Lord with me, darkness was still consistent throughout my life. Sin wanted me all to itself. My slow decline into the dark and away from the light of the Lord began when I tried to seek human help in grade two, only to be put into therapy with no real change in my home situation. I withdrew inwardly, and that was the start of me no longer trusting people. After the twisted realization that I was unworthy of help, feelings of shame, guilt, and being different kept in. Life was uh, difficult as a teen, and I was being bullied a lot in high school, and I was sexually assaulted at a party. As a result from drinking with my friends and this happening to me, I swore to never drink again. People made fun of me at school following this experience and said that I wanted it to happen, and no one believed me. Everything finally built up enough inside to shut the light out of me. I went, uh, I went through what was to be one of my very uh, many suicide attempts. Excuse me. I went home and I locked myself in my Gigi's bathroom and I began swallowing pills in the cabinet. I remember laying on the floor, spinning and losing consciousness. My mother is an RN. She pumped my stomach and saved my life. I didn't want to live though. So I learned how to run. I left home when I was 16, and I began masking who I was inside, a scared, wounded, lonely little girl. This would set me, separate me from any need of any real relationship, which I could get hurt from. At the age of 20, I experienced another brutal hardship. My 18-year-old brother had been in a devastating car crash that left him on life support. When they told me, I dropped to my knees, begging the Lord to give me time to say goodbye to him. I bargained with God, and the Lord came and carried me through the hardest days of my life, time after time. He is faithful. I wasn't yet. After taking my brother off life support and saying goodbye to him, my whole family fell apart. Separation, anger, resentment, and addiction filled the loss. I went out west again after this, and I quit talking to the Lord completely. I did not want to be in heaven without my brother. This would be the start of my addiction and the sinful lifestyle that it embodied. I, lead, I led a double life full of secrets, filled with dark, sinful behavior, crime, chaos, deception, and with a longing to be in the next line for a bullet. I wanted to let go by any means. 
it finally came to an end, and the Lord said, Awake, O sleeper. God, my Father, my Savior, came to me yet again, this time with an army with him. I was saved. He loved me that much. I quit using drugs, money, smoking, and hating all at once in the middle of the day. He put love, forgiveness, and hope and faith into me that overflowed. I walked out of the darkness and back into the light March 11th, 2019. I came to Teen Challenge in April 2019 on the 15th, and I started talking and restoring my relationships instantly. I don't have any room for resentment or hatred anymore. These things that have happened to me are my cross to bear. I want to trade mine for anyone else's, as, even as difficult as it has been, it has brought me right back to the beginning again. I have the heart of that five-year-old girl again. I thirst for the Father's words, his breath, and live in the light of the truth every day. I'm learning and letting go and letting the Lord heal my wounds, even when it hurts. I'm a small seed learning how to become deeply rooted. I'm surrounded by those I love and who love me as Christ has loved them. Um, one of the scriptures that comforts me, it, it's pretty long, but it's okay. It's Romans 8, 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or nakedness? No. Through all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor nay, any powers, neither height or depth or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you, my Lord. Thank you, my love. And thank you for listening. It's the first time I've heard her, heard her story, and um, first-time stories are always a, a little bit difficult. And uh, I've got three daughters, and the Lord uh, has been very, very gracious to me and my wife. My, we haven't had to deal with drugs or alcohol or all of those symptoms that precious lives go through. All six of my grandchildren have received the Lord. And so sometimes we sit and we think, well, God, you know what? Life is good. But there's others that are struggling in darkness that is so deep and so, so vast it seems impossible to get out. And Teen Challenge is there. And I was going to show a three-minute video, but I'm just going to let that pass by. And today, as you just heard Bo Ashley, that's not her last name. It's her first name. And... Um, so when I hear what she's been going through and has gone through and then walking through the doors of the ministry back in March and then making that journey to the point of where she is now coming to share her, her life story and the vulnerability and the courage it takes to get up here to do that is, is beyond anything I can paint for you. And, uh, but to see life after life after life and the graduations then at the centers where these students, men, women, whatever, they graduate, they go away, they take a chunk of your heart with you because every one of these precious lives is a daughter of the king.
go through stuff, and some of you in this room can relate to what she said. You might have been there a long time ago yourself. And so with that, I'm going to ask G to come. And would you make her welcome, please, as she comes. Good morning, church. <clears throat> the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalms 34, 17 to 18. Everyone has a story to tell in this world. Mine consisted of a broken heart and a crushed spirit for many years of my life before I came to know Christ. My name is G, and this is my story. I'm 29 years old, the youngest of 10 children, and from what I can remember of my childhood growing up was that my family life was dysfunctional. My father was physically abusive to my mother for many years, and my siblings and I had no relationship with him. However, my parents both had horrible upbringings, and they never received love themselves, so they never knew how to project their love towards us either. At a young age, um, I had a passion for art, dance, and music, and I was always aiming to reach high academic standards in school. But as the years went by, those passions slowly faded when I realized that my achievements were going unnoticed. I envied other children who seemed to have perfect families. At the age of 13, I was sexually abused by the very people that I thought were supposed to protect me. The trauma that followed for many years was indescribable. In middle school, I was bullied, and when I would come home, life wasn't any better. When I turned 17, I started dating a man in his 20s who was unfaithful, emotionally, and physically abusive. I was young and desperate for love, and I accepted his treatment for nine years until I finally decided to leave him for good. I thought I would feel liberated, but that was the beginning of my downward spiral. At the age of 18, I lost my father to Parkinson's disease. I would try my best to visit him at the nursing home he was in as much as I could, and even though we weren't close, it was still hard to see one of my parents in pain, and the progression of his illness left him physically motionless that he could no longer even talk. There was one time that I sensed some love from him before he passed away, where he had a big smile on his face when he saw me walk through the doors of his room. I will never forget that moment. Afterwards, my depression escalated. I left high school, went in and out of different jobs, and even took a course at a private college. Nothing I did, however, satisfied the void in my heart. An anger started to grow in me that nothing could tame. I was constantly fighting with my mother and siblings, and they became weary of my behavior, so they told me to leave. I was homeless in the middle of a brutally cold winter, and I had no income, no employment, and no proper clothing at all. I was at the mercy of some friends going from house to house until my family decided to let me back in. Eventually, a few years later, life became unbearable again at home, so I moved out on my own in downtown Hamilton. I spent most of my nights at a lounge nearby where I lived. 
One night, I remember I had a severe headache, and the owner of the bar, taking advantage of this opportunity to lure me into his devious plan, offered me a pill that he said was really strong, but it would take away the pain instantly. I later found out I was given oxycodone. Even though I knew the dangers of opiates, I was drawn to the effect it had on me, making me numb to all emotions and blocking out all the bad memories. When recreational use became more frequent and weekend use turned into using every other day and then to every single day, the owner knew I was hooked and was now physically dependent as well. So I began selling them just to support my own habit. When the supply was cut off, I turned to heroin and eventually when my tolerance got too high for that, I turned to fentanyl. And during my addiction, I dated a man who was also using and selling drugs. We were actually foolish enough to think we were like Bonnie and Clyde. We lived extravagantly until we lost everything due to our addiction. The lowest point in my life was being arrested with him and having my life turn a complete 180. My family was devastated of the state I was in, and they were on the verge of giving up on me completely. They told me if I didn't get help, I would lose them too. So I promised to seek rehabilitation. My sister had heard about Teen Challenge from one of her clients and helped me apply. I walked through the doors of Teen Challenge in September 2018 and soon after surrendered my life to Christ. Currently, um, I graduate in a few days on September 19. <laughs> Thank you. Before coming to Teen Challenge, I hated everything about myself, and I had so many self-destructive habits and behaviors because I truly thought that even God had given up on me. I knew I was dancing with the devil, but in my heart I wanted nothing more than to end the deep, dark depression I was living in. Since I've been in this program, God has helped me to let go of anger, resentment, and to heal from all my past hurts. And even though God gives us free will, he is still in control of all his creation. I've come to realize that in all those years I felt alone and unwanted, I never actually was. God was always there, which is probably why I'm still alive to talk about it. The Lord is truly my strength and hope, and I thank him for the wisdom and courage he has given me to change my life. As scripture says, anyone who comes to Christ is indeed a new creation. The old is gone and all things are becoming new. The Lord has set me free from the bondage of slavery I was in spiritually and physically. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Bless you all. Thank you. I just want to ask her a couple of questions because um, she is uh, leaving us behind in the dust. <clears throat> and graduations are always an exciting time. And uh, so, gee, just to give me a little sense of what was your religious background or were you really involved in any? I actually, my family was never religious growing up, but um, they, I came from a Muslim background. And... Um, I always knew that something was 
something was not right and it wasn't it, it wasn't resonating in my heart and until I knew about Jesus and um, I knew about Christianity and everything that um, I've been learning throughout this year I've never felt more at home and at peace and I really truly believe that he brought me uh, to Teen, Ta teen Challenge um, not only to save my life but to, to give me hope and to give me a future and also to claim him as my Lord because he does want everybody to live for eternity with him and he wants everyone to come to Christ. So I do wish and I pray that I'll continue to be an ambassador for Christ um, for many years to come, actually. I just want to... Um, tell people everything that he's done for me since I've learned about him and um, to let them know that there's hope and there's freedom and um, and he's just plain good he's just good um, when I first saw you at Teen Challenge and because uh, we walk in my I don't work at the center I work under the auspices of our national office so I I in fact five years ago I was here meeting with Pastor Rutledge when he was here and um, so that's what I do is church relations. And so I'm not there with to see the daily activities of the centers in, in, in operation. But I do remember you specifically. And because I said to my wife, I'm not sure that girl knows how to talk. She was so quiet, so withdrawn. And sometimes you get a little nervous. Will this person make it? Well, not only did she make it, but Thursday night she's graduating. Ah, and um, another one of my daughters that goes out the door. <laughs> and so um, in, in the journey, when you first walked into Teen Challenge, what, what did that kind of feel like to you? What was happening in your, in your mind? Um, it, was, it was something I never had been exposed to, and it was a different atmosphere, a different environment. And it was hard, it was challenging, but I knew that um, the outcome of this, if I just persevered, would be good. And um, I've always thought like God gives the hardest um, challenges to, to his, um, his children that he knows uh, will be able to endure it, you know? And he never gives us more than we can endure, so. Um. So what is the future looking like now? Just on a side note here, you've been sharing the Lord with your sisters. There's a whole thing that seems to be happening. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I actually, slowly but surely, I will, um, I'm hoping to bring them all to Christ, actually. And um, I believe that's going to happen because they're very open to, um, they're very open to, um, this relationship with Christ, and um, they're actually very um, attentive when they um, when they hear my stories and when they hear what I've um, accomplished and how I how I am and the change they see in me actually um, will be will be the example that they prob most likely they will want to continue and um, experience themselves. Amen. So what is your kind of view on your, your hope for the future coming? 
I, when I first actually came to Teen Challenge, um, I didn't know what was to come, actually. I didn't plan on even finishing the program, um, but God had other plans, and um, I honestly, in my heart, I truly want to um, be a part of this ministry in any way, like whether it's to volunteer and to even work there and just to help other people. Like I've always wanted to help other people and I never knew what my calling was. I never knew what I was supposed to do, but I, I know God has brought me here for a reason and I just want to give back to other people. I want to give back and serve and uh, yeah. Amen. Small package. A lot of power. <laughs> Amen. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Bless you, sweetie. I just want to conclude with um, a thought from God's Word. And, and um, one of the great joys of, of the work that I do is to see transformation. And we watch God at work. Amen. And when you can see the visible work of the Holy Spirit, and sometimes we, even as, as Christians in these days that we're living in because everything is so traumatic, because today, 11 Canadians are going to die. There will be 11 tomorrow. There will be 11 on Tuesday. The end of this week, 77 Canadians will be dead, not intentional, but because of an overdose that they've got. And she's a miracle because of fentanyl. I mean, most people don't survive that. And if they do, it has a lot of damage that goes with it. And... 335 for the month or 4,015 for the year. That's the people that we're losing in our country and the wisdom of our government has legalized marijuana and by doing that all the addiction effect of a marijuana just disappears. So the country now thinks. And so you got 13 year olds down at their school puffing on marijuana cigarettes every day you got all kinds of stuff. I had some parents talk to me this week about their 17-year-old who just now decided he wants to be a drug pusher. So it's happening. There's a lie, and the devil is a liar. He's a thief, and he's a destroyer. And for those of us who've got the white hair, we pray for the guys who don't yet. It's coming, but it will come. <clears throat> and... <laughs> that they have the opportunity to become the evangelists and the leaders in our community. And young pastor, do not fear the face of any man because you've got a word of truth where most of them don't. So be the man of God that he's called you to be. And this is what Paul says, Romans chapter 5, I want to just cut in at verse 6. He said, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless or hopeless, Every one of these people coming into Teen Challenge have one major thing beyond drugs that is, that is a common denominator. They all come in hopeless. Fathers, mothers, young people, we started 18 years of age and up, and it's hopeless for them even now at this early stage in their lives. But Jesus comes, and when they meet him, everything changes. Just let me read down a little bit further here. He says, and the reason why um, they're hopeless is because of sin. So he says, but just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for righteous men. Though for a good man, someone or a good cause, someone might 
possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You don't get better. You don't get good to get better. And if you could be good enough to get better to meet God without Christ, then the whole matter of the cross would have been in vain. So good and being good, it's noble, but it's not salvation. Jesus Christ and he alone, through the power of his shed blood on the cross, is what washes our sins from us when we receive him as our Lord and Savior. Not only did he die, but he rose again and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for every one of us in this room. Amen? And if it wasn't for his goodness, not one of us in this room would be good enough to get to the Father. So we're in there because of Christ's righteousness. On one of the songs that, that I saw on that screen today, it, it, it illustrated God's righteousness. Nothing that we have is consistent. You may be saved for a long time, like me, but I'm still a sinner, saved by grace, and who still needs an advocate at the right hand of the Father. Hello? Do you understand what I'm saying? And so, folks, release this place, this church, this leadership into this community because they need to find the answer to the burden of their lives and Jesus is it. And Don Wilkerson, David's brother, said these words about Teen Challenge and Don is still the honorary director of the very first Teen Challenge Center that has, that has ever started in New York City. But Don said this, he said, Hope lives here, freedom is found here, changed lives leave here. We're in over a hundred and some countries of the world now with over 1,700 Teen Challenge Centers and, and it's still growing and God is good because people like you make it happen. We need your help today. If you can become a sponsor, you can meet the girls and my wife at the table and they'll show you how to sign up to, to do that. It's not hard. And, um, but if you would like to invest in somebody just for, even for a year, to one of these girls, especially uh, 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 Bo Ashley, She's already in the, in the program now, what, five months, I guess? And so there's, there's another few months for her to go. If you'd like to support her and sponsor her for that little amount of money, we would certainly appreciate that. God bless you. Thank you for having us. Pastor, would you come? Give this man a, a, a round of applause. Thank you very much.